You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hi, this is Sherry Richards. And this is Karen Kalmastan. And welcome to Inspired Good Fat Life, where we explore what it takes to live a modern, healthy life and so much more. Hey, Karen. Hi. Hey, hey Sherry. How are you? Good. Happy Monday. Yeah, yeah. Happy Monday to you, too. So how was your weekend? It was fantastic. I'm super excited about the show today and got a lot of great feedback from um, men that were 75 years old saying they enjoyed the podcast to my uh, 13-year-old kid and his friends. So that was kind of nice. And of course, you know. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, just the 4th of July is always fun. I got to see family and friends and, you know, celebrate. So how about you? That no, it was it's great. It's um, and it's the one thing I love about Michigan is the weather. It's like the perfect Fourth of July weather, right? It's hot. Yeah, (laughs) or it's forty-two degrees, right? Yeah, (laughs) you want to do summer things. So, so I wanted to, um, you know, just give a little bit of a, a intro on why this topic today, right? Sure. Right. Yeah. So remember, so we were, we were gathered um, a couple of weeks ago with some uh, friends outside and uh, we started talking about um, marijuana today or weed today or whatever. And, yeah. you know, I, I shared the story that my only experience with it personally uh, was after eating, um, I was in college and had some brownies that apparently had been in Enhanced. Yeah, and I found myself at the grocery at the grocery store in front of the Mystic Mint cookie aisle. Right, <laughs> I was just like had to have these cookies. Right, I had no idea what was going on, and I'm sitting in that parking lot of in Lake Tahoe, and on a college break, eating this entire you know entire box of cookies, and then promptly went back and slept, you know, for 12 hours. And I'm like, <laughs> I I could I can eat too much and sleep all day without you know any help. And my friends were like, Oh, no, you don't understand what what it is today. So right, right, totally, right. And, and it then, probably just turns out you just had a really good brownie sherry. They yeah. probably didn't have pot in it. <laughs> that must maybe that was it. I don't you know, but so for all these years, like maybe I had it wrong. I don't. But, but then you you know, you said, Oh, hey, so you know, take the conversation. Yeah, I am super excited about these guests. I love them so much for so many reasons and they're very interesting. And I think it's going to be a a great circle back to a lot of the topics that we talked about um, because they're both very relevant and uh, I would say they're both Renaissance people. But um, so today we're going to talk with Kirk Albrick. He's always sort of lived an inspired intended life uh, sort of you know, dance to the beat of his own drum. And he also is a drum player himself, but he's one of my favorite people. And he first became a consumer. um, And then he started growing and being a caregiver in 2008 when it became legal. And then um, Amy Brown, his partner in business and in life, um, she graduated from Cleveland Marshall Law School and spent 30 years in finances and in law. And then now they just started their business. Well, they didn't actually just start it. Um, it began in November, I believe in November of 2017, um, the inception of the business to start a lab, a, mar- a medical marijuana testing lab. And then they opened their doors on, um, excuse me here, they opened their doors April 2019 of their lab. And so we'll talk to them about 
life during this time, kind of circle back to some of our topics and um, about the business of cannabis. So let's, okay, let's, cool. uh, let's get him on here. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey there. Hey. Hey, welcome. <laughs> so, welcome. So nice to see you. Okay. Okay. We'll try to get that back on. But in the meantime, so I thought it, um, there's so many interesting stories about them, like how they met um, and they've pivoted and changed their life and kind of improvised and they're real go-getters. And uh, I really think in the future, uh, we're going to look to them because they've been pioneers in the cannabis business um, and in their lives. And they certainly aren't quitters and they just keep going. So I'm excited to um, discuss those things with them. Yep. If we can get them back up. <laughs> so, you know, Sherry, I, um, my, my uh, first uh, sort of ex- experiences with um, marijuana was uh, I had never seen really any grownups do it or anything, especially not in front of kids. And when I met my husband, he took me to his family member's house and like the kids were running around crazy and the moms and dads are smoking. Hey, there they are. Hi guys. <laughs> You're back. Can you hear us? Sweet. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey guys. <laughs> so this is Amy Brown and Kirk Albrecht, two of my favorite people. And this is Sherry Richard, you guys. Um, thanks for being here today. Hi, oh, Sherry. Nice to meet you. I, I think my my internet's frozen. <laughs> it's so hard to do podcasts on Zoom. We were going to try to go into the um, the studio today and Zoom you guys in, but that didn't work out either. So I'm sure every technical difficulty will help today. Uh, will happen today for sure. All right, let me um, hold on. I'm pretty sure this is how you thought it would go. All right. So first of all, we didn't mention that you guys are my cousins, right? And so I, um, I'm your cousin. Well, I consider Amy my cousin as well, right? Because she's part of our family and now you're both cousins. Yeah, I'm with her. so that you <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I claim her. I don't know if she claims me, but I definitely feel, uh, feel like she's part of my family. I claim you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so anyway, uh, we were talking, um, Sherry, are you there? She's stuck. We were talking um, a couple of podcasts ago about different kinds of love. And we had, I had mentioned that I'm so lucky because I have you guys. And that is one of like the great kind of like friendship, enduring love and people in your tribe. Have you guys felt that with like certain people in your life or with your cousins or? Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Have a. I think we have a very unique, uh, our cousins and families kind of unique. We hang out and, uh, you know, so, I mean, not a lot of families are like ours. Um, so yeah, we definitely, uh, feel love. (laughs) (laughs) And we, we really like each other, even though we're all so different and varied, but it's, it's fun. And, um, you know, it does feel great because we know that even though we're different, we're still family we have each other's back and, uh, that we just really, we just really like each other because uh, you don't have to hang out with your cousins anymore, you know, because your parents aren't dragging you to events you don't want to go to anymore, right? <laughs> so I really appreciate both of you and being in my life, and also you've been so enriching in other ways, not just as as cousins, but um, just in uh, just your story. Sherry, are you back? I'm back. Yeah. All right. All right. So we were just talking. We were just uh, talking about cousin love. Um, I don't know if you heard any of that, but. Um, we're just saying how lucky we are because we really like each other and we don't have to be together anymore. Our parents aren't forcing us. We choose to be. So it's priceless. Yeah. It yeah. is. It is. That's great. 
So do you want to, um, I would love to hear um, just how you got into the business, um, you know, just to, and, and how, how the world's changed. It's cannabis is not illegal anymore and people are using it, have used it for, for thousands of years. And can you just help us? It is so confusing. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, where does a person start to get an understanding of, of just what it is and what it does for you? And, you know, just start uh, from the beginning. All right. Well, I'll give you a little background on me. I, um, I literally had, I've had four hip surgeries and I was looking for pain and I didn't want to be on opiates. So I voted wow. 2008. Uh, and obviously that's when uh, this all started. So I became a caregiver and I found that did uh, relieve my pain instead of taking opiates and having to take like Ambien to fall asleep. Uh, I could just um, use the medicine and it would help me and go to sleep and take my pain away. Um, so that's how I got started. Um, so um, Amy came in later on. Um, obviously um, our story is that we used to date in high school. Um, we actually went to prom together. We lived together for a while. And then I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was young. And, You're a guy. <laughs> I'm older wiser but anyway so um she went off and went to college and all that and i followed the grateful dead to california and did my thing and then um i came back here and uh reacquainted with her brother um and uh i looked for her for a while i couldn't find her and then finally her brother facebooked me and i got her <laughs> so i uh friended her and it took her like three or four days to answer and finally she did. So we got to talking and um, unfortunately she was here because her father was sick and uh, she was living in Chicago. So I, uh, I basically, uh, we got together 28 years later, we, we met and uh, went out for a drink and uh, we've been together ever since. So I sold my business. I moved to Chicago to be with her. And then we kind of knew we'd come back to this when it was legalized later on. So that is what we did, and we thought about what we should do. Should we do a grow? Should we do a dispensary? But her father was a chemist, and we were at the Redcoat Tavern. Thumbs up to Redcoat. Uh, we were having <laughs> and he's like, why don't we do a lab? So we decided to um, do some research. So we researched uh, you know, labs and how many and da-da-da. And we realized that we weren't the scientists. But then again, Hospitals aren't run by doctors, they're run by administrators. So we would do the business end and we would just hire the scientists. So that kind of where we got to. And so we decided to first go get our license and see if we could get that because they're very hard to get. It's almost like getting a a casino license. Um, So we got our, we were actually the first ones pre-approved license in Michigan. Yeah. I was going to, wow. I was hoping, yeah, I was hoping you were going to brag on yourself. Yeah. They yeah. are really uh, trailblazers, really pioneers. Um, I hope you guys are like uh, uh, going to be the storytellers of this um, and people are learning from you um, to grow the business in your favor and not just uh, take away from you. But um, Sherry, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the testing um, equipment they have in their labs uh they it's basically like uh they have to sign sort of like anti-terrorism things yeah. right because the, especially the heavy metals because you can you can test like uranium and things like that so the, the uh, department of defense actually tracks every one of the icpmss in the country like if we even wanted to move it from one room to another we'd have to notify them 
Yeah. No, I, I seriously know nothing. And so, and I, and when Karen, you know, when Karen um, uh, asked about, you know, what I thought about you guys being here, I said, that is phenomenal. And then I also said, I'm not going to go do any research to be like prepared because, you know, I know there's so many people like me and I wanted to be able to hear from you, you know, in the lay person. So sorry, my house is exploding right now. I'm going to put on mute so you can talk. Okay. Well, let's back up a little bit and tell us exactly what your lab does, you guys. Yeah. So we, we uh, test right now. We're only licensed for medical and to kind of go back to Sherry's question. There's three separate sets of laws in Michigan that govern marijuana. The first one is the Michigan uh, medical marijuana program, which is what Kirk was a caregiver under. And that was where you had to be a patient and get a card from a, a physician or a facility. Then if you had a card, you were able to purchase it legally. Then they passed the MMFLA, which is the Medical Marijuana Facilities that we are licensed there. And after that, recreational or adult use was voted in, and that's another set of laws. So there's three distinct sets of laws in Michigan that govern it. Under the MMFLA, we have to test a variety of things and, and basically just to make sure that the product is safe for consumption. So we test for pesticides, we test for microbial contaminants, we test for heavy metals. We also test the potency and cannabinoid profile, whether it's got, you know, foreign matter in it, if there's bugs or anything like that, or people put anything in it. Water activity. Yeah, water activity, which is an indicator that it might mold. So we have to do this whole package of testing in order for that product to be able to move from a licensed processor or grow facility to a provisioning center. Who are your clients mostly? So do people come to you that are making products, um, cannabis products? Um, I know you guys don't do CBD right now um, as well. And test for CBD, but we just do flower only. So if it's okay. going to go like that, we're not testing those. We do flower only. So mm-hmm. so could you just explain the difference between THC and CBD? It's like, I start from there, the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know the right questions to ask. Sorry. <laughs> she doesn't even know what she doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of people don't know the right questions to ask. So these are good questions. So go yeah, ahead. And our, I, I can tell you right now that our lab director would answer this much better than I'm going to, but um, cannabinoids are the, the substance within marijuana that react with your endocannabinoid system in your body. THC is tetrahydrocannabinol, so it is a cannabinoid, but it's one that has psychoactive properties. So the THC will get you high. The CBDs react with your endocannabinoid system, but they don't produce the high THC. And there's there's different types. There's there's THCA, which is the acid. There's delta-9 and delta-8. And delta-8 is is a little bit more of an inert THC. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like the delta-9 and THCA. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You guys are definitely a Delta Force. Sorry, I had to put that up. <laughs> <laughs> right back. <in. laughs> um, go ahead, Sherry. Do you have a question? No. So then you were talking about your your customers. Who would your customers be? So, yeah, we, we uh, have dealt with and we do deal with um, uh, caregivers still. And we just definitely deal with uh, mostly right now is um, growers. Because flour is the first thing that has to be tested before you can take it to make it into anything else, like a butter or oils or distillate or a cookie, a cake or a candy. 
So that's where it jumps off is flour. So we decided that that's where the big holdup right now is, is flour, because you can't do anything with it until the flour is tested and approved. And then it can move forward in the system. So can you just walk us like, say um, I, I decide to be a grower, do I have to go through a lab if I want to be on the up and up to go through to be able to sell it on the market? How does that work? Well, not without it being tested and put through the system, you would not be allowed to sell it in any dispensary. So, or as a caregiver, right? For a caregiver, that's a different, that's different. Then you need to get your own patients. Mm-hmm. You know, you're up to, you're allowed up to seven patients. Now, if you were a caregiver and you didn't go through a lab, is that something that uh, maybe you'd get more business and say, well, I go through a lab? I mean, there's probably a lot of caregivers that don't go through labs. Is that not true? Yeah, or- true. A lot okay. of them don't. Um, but a lot of caregivers want to. So because their patients are worried. And if I was a caregiver, I'd want my stuff tested and to show that my patients that my product is clean. Right. Yeah. You don't want anyone. Speaking you know- of- go ahead. Yeah. And speaking of clean, uh, you explain to the the importance of that, right? I, I think people just think, oh, all, I mean, I've heard several times people say all weed is organic. What is, I mean, really the, there really is a huge importance to having it clean because yeah. what can it do if it's not? I mean, tell us about that. Well, I mean, if there's a lot of lead in there, um, you know, uh, it could get sick later on. It's like, you know, uh, some heavy pesticides could get you sick. Uh, mold can get you sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things uh, that people try to do to uh, to make it grow bigger. Um, you know, a, a lot of um, nutrients. Uh, just a lot of factors that you really don't want in your product. I mean, do you want to eat a cucumber with you know a huge amount of lead in it? <laughs> no. Right, right. You know, a cucumber mm-hmm. with tons of pesticides on it? No, you would not. Right. Yeah. Right, because you're inhaling it and it's lacing your lungs. That makes sense. What about uh, psychoactively? What what could happen if if things are in weed? Can people have a bad reaction, not just physically, but mentally? I don't know about mentally unless you like laced it with something. But I mean, there are people. uh, Actually, I know a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. He can't smoke the flower because his body reacts differently to it than... uh, than when he smokes say hash, um, because he just has allergic Something, reaction yeah, the, to it. The actual plant matter somehow yes. causes allergic reaction. Yeah. So. Sure. Do you, yeah. I'm um, sorry. Um, what? What? Can you explain the difference between hash and marijuana? And the, is it the process? Yeah. All it is is it's, it's taking the flower and turning it into something else. What you're doing is you're stripping the trichomes off. You're literally stripping them from the plant. And um, there's different ways you can do it. You can do it with IPA or you can do it with water. There's uh, many different ways you can extract the trichomes. And is it, I'm sorry. More potent. Yeah. I was going to say hash is a different sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, a different sort of high. Yes. Yes. It's like doing the oils or whenever you do like uh, an edible, it changes the uh, molecular compound of it. And it, it actually makes it stronger, last longer. Um, so that's why they were having a big problem, like in Colorado and uh, California, with um, selling the brownies because people were getting a brownie and you know getting extremely high. Um, so they try to try to back that off, 
So yeah, that's one of the things though, for any of the concentrates or the cookies or anything else, one of the tests that Michigan requires is a homogeneity test to show that I can randomly take 10 of your brownies and the potency is the same across all of them so that people actually know what they're getting. Because sometimes like with the flour, already kind of naturally limited to how much THC you're going to intake. But when you concentrate that down, you know, there could be, you know, 50 milligrams in one brownie and 10 milligrams in another, and you're going to have completely different reactions to those or potentially. So that's why that's required in Michigan to keep it, to keep it so that that you can have a predictable experience with, with what you're doing. Exactly. And Sherry, to sort of speak to your story. So my sister, she makes brownies and they're delicious brownies anyway. And then she makes cookies and the cookies are delicious. Then she puts THC in them. So you have the THC in the great cookie and you're like, what do I want? Another great cookie. And then before you know it, you've eaten 12 THC cookies. <laughs> and there's no way out, man. Like you can't call time out. Like I don't like going. So <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's always a fun trip, right? Like, uh, you got to stop making the cookies taste so damn good. <laughs> so, so, uh, okay. So th- I mean, this is fascinating and it's like, my brains are spinning and it's like, okay, what, what questions to start with? So if I came to, do you have a retail space or are you all a wholesale space? No. So, um, when it comes to, um, yeah, we, we're not allowed. We have to basically stay in our own lane. We're a lab. Okay. All, All you do is test. Okay. Okay. Like, you know, uh, we were testing our own stuff. If it was bad, we could just push it through. Yeah. So, Ooh, that passed. Yeah, that passed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I see. It's a conflict of interest, right? Yeah. Got so, it. Yeah, we have to stay in our lane, which is fine with us. You know, uh, again, we're not open to the public. We don't sell anything. We don't grow anything. We don't process anything. All we do is you bring it to us. We test, we test it and tell you what's in it. So we give you a pass or fail. Now, if you went to a retail location, one of the medical license facilities and their packaging there, you will see there's, there's a a label on there with a QR code and it'll say tested by Abco labs. And you can scan that code and pull up all of the test results. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. No, this is, I mean, it's fascinating. As a patient, you, you have the right to do that. So you just scan that QR code and it'll pull up the certificate of analysis and it'll tell you, you know, if, cause sometimes there's like, you know, a minute amount of metal or pesticide detected, but not enough to fail it, but you can pull it up to see, you can see the, uh, the cannabinoid profile. The other thing we're working on is getting set up to do terpene profiles. So terpenes are the, the things that give it flavor and scent. It's kind of like wine. Yeah. Oh, know. yeah. Oh. With a piquant taste of a uh, high buzz. So, right? so, <laughs> oh. so, so is the next doing a, a, a wine, uh, 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 marijuana uh, rating, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tasting <laughs> points. Yes, what cheeses go with it? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and surprisingly, is one of the most uh, most terpenes in marijuana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's From interesting. That. Yeah, it's fascinating. So, it, but it, it sounds like from what kind of what I've you know I've been reading about the industry just over the years is that there's a lot of change. And um, it's kind of, I've gotten the impression there's a lot of kind of like, we're going to figure this out as we go. Um, how is that? How are you seeing that? And how's that impacting you? That, that's absolutely true. And early on, we went to a, a presentation and the director then of the, the marijuana agency said that it's like building a plane while you're flying. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, literally with, with 
you know, one sentence typed on a piece of paper in the regulations, our whole business model could change. Now, will they ever do away with testing? That would just be foolish, but yeah. they could they could change what we put. They have many times changed what we test for. Yes. Yeah. So to, to give you one, one example of that. So with these instruments, they're, they're for the most part, mass spectrometers. And what you have to do is you have to teach them what they're looking for, validate that, then pass a blind third party test to prove that you are capable of detecting whatever. And that has, to, that goes for every single substance we test for. We got our heavy metals completely done, passed the proficiency testing, ready to submit it to the state. 40 minutes later, they announced that they were adding copper and nickel to the metals that needed to be tested. So we had to go back to the beginning and do copper and nickel in addition to the other metals that were tested. And then later on, they took copper out and um, left nickel in. Yep. And they took them both out for a while because the other labs were having a hard time getting them. Then they permanently took copper out for flour. So it's just this constant change of what we're looking for and you know, you invest all your energy to get to a certain point, And then it's like, oh, we're going to change that. All right. Yeah. What do, you, what do you guys attribute the changes to all the time? Is it uh, government? Is it fear? Is it bribery? What Like, what is going on? Why is so much changing? Are they trying to like, hold? No. Is, are they like, there's got to be, what's the resistance? Because there's got to be some resistance in the universe or something. Well, it's, this is a brand new industry and not a lot of people know about the, the marijuana plant. So like she said, they're building it as they go. So they're, they're looking at other states and yeah, it's, it's the, it's basically the board. And there's some it's lobbying. There's some lobbying. In, yes. So as an example, a lot of the, um, the nutrients or a lot of the, the things are, are uh, copper salt based which was causing copper to trigger. So then the growers would come to the state and say, but it's not dangerous. So get it out. So then they'd say, okay, they, they'll do their research and then make changes. But yeah, it's definitely a governmental driven. Yes. Yeah. But didn't but, you guys uh, receive a lot of resistance like to starting your lab and where you could put the lab and how many feet it needed to be like that kind of resistance as well? Uh, yes. That's on the city level. So the way Michigan wrote the law was kind of a little backwards because it put all the power and the decision-making in the city's hands without a ton of direction. So every city had to write their own ordinance, every municipality in the state. I think there's 1,700 of them. Yes. So instead of like having a template to go from, they all were blind. And what, what we ran into is that most cities, most municipalities, when they think marijuana, they think grow and they think dispensary. They don't think about the processing, the testing, or the secured transport. So we had to really spend a lot of energy educating our city that as a lab, we need like a medical office space that we're not open to the public. There's no foot traffic. There's no signage Um, because originally they had us. We had to be at least 500 feet away from residential. Well, in that case, we'd be in a dirty old warehouse, which we're a lab. We got to be clean. We can't, you know, we we need like medical office space. Mm -hmm. It's hermetically sealed in there, right? I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. And uh, how has the uh, COVID virus affected you guys with your lab facility and um, gloves and things like that? Well, in some some ways, it was kind of the best business to be in when all of this happened because we already had a supply of gloves because those are a normal part of our day-to-day work. And then we had plenty of isopropyl alcohol. We had plenty of masks. Um, so we, we were a little fortunate on that side. Um, and we kind of took advantage of the COVID time to do a major restructuring internally. Uh, we weren't sure if we were going to be essential or not. So we took that opportunity to rebuild our team. Uh, we were having some issues and, and that needed to be addressed. So we were able to bring in a new lab director, 
like I was telling you before about the instruments, we had to revalidate and uh, pass new blind proficiency tests. We chose to do that to make sure we're, we're still on point on our science. So it, it, it didn't affect us as negatively as it did a lot of businesses. And it kind of gave us an opportunity to do something we needed to do. Yeah. Yeah, Oh no. Just as a, as a business consultant, we're seeing a lot of that. It's like, well, if we're, we have to be calmer, um, then there's a lot of, um, uh, it just gives us time that businesses don't usually have to say, okay, let's really look at what we're doing and how we do it. And so is the, do you see, where do you see the growth? How how do you see that impacting the growth in Michigan in this in this area? And also another question is: it can it be shipped? Um, how are the laws around that? Right now, you you cannot uh, ship uh, by mail or anything is because it's federally still illegal. Okay. No mail, so yes, you cannot ship it. And a lot of states are kind of got closed borders; you can't really take. Michigan product all the way to Colorado. So okay. you can't state lines with that. That's also uh, illegal uh, right now as it stands. Now, if it becomes federally legal, then everything will change. And in the state of Michigan, for the product to get from the grow facility to the provisioning center or dispensary, uh, there's another license type, which is a secured transporter. Um, and it's uh, required, there's certain security levels that are required, employment types that are required, and the uh, actual uh, trucks themselves have to meet certain safety standards. So that's how it gets from the grow to the provisioning centers through these, these secure transporters. That's, it's, it's, it's been amazing. I had a student, um, I, a professor, um, and I had a student once who was doing a uh, that was his business, right? And the two things that were really fascinating about his business plan is a the amount of security and the trucks and the cameras and the locks and the the vaults. Uh, the security was phenomenal, and then also the cash that was generated from the dispensaries. And you know, I, I would push back and say, "Are you sure? Are you sure?" And he would come back and show me the research and stuff. It was just as a fascinating industry. But one one other thing during the COVID, they actually, um, they opened up delivery service. So dispensaries could deliver, um, especially because some of the patients, you know, if you've got a cancer patient who's undergoing chemotherapy, they don't want to go into a public retail space. So curbside delivery and many uh, submitted business plans to the state were approved for delivery to somebody's door, contactless delivery. Wow. Like I said, it's fascinating how it's, how it's evolving, right? Yeah, because again, it's like a, uh, it's a brand new industry and people are finding different niches. You know what I mean? We, we just had a big conversation with a family company that does specialized packaging, mm-hmm. you know, for dispensaries and stuff like that. I mean, all these new j- jobs are being created because of this. Because of it. Yeah. Have Never. you seen? Have, oh, I'm sorry, Amy, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying they're working on eco friendly solutions because. It has to be in a child-proof container, and it can't look like something a child would want to have. So there's a lot of like plastics with like child-proof caps and things. So they're working on eco-friendly solutions to that, or ways to clean and reuse packaging. Wow, oh, that's is the um, uh, have have you seen any kind of research or anything about uh, the uh, relief that the opioid industry is getting? Because of the legalization, people have alternatives now. 
Oh, that's a great question. They're, they're opening up a lot of facilities we saw. What was it? Uh, weeds? Yeah. And it was like Vice. It was on the no, Vice, Vice Channel, but yeah. it was, yeah, it was a, a show. It's called Weeds. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, clinics that are opening up um, for people that have that. They use what they call Dodd Simpson oil. Um, Dr. Simpson uh, is a doctor in Canada and he had uh, cancer and he did a bunch of research on it and made his own uh, oil and took it and cured himself. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you want to look him up and read his, uh, it's, he's very fascinating. It's a good read. Doc, what was it? Doc Simpson? Simpson. Okay. <laughs> did, they, did they also call that Rick Simpson oil? I'm sorry, Amy. Rick yeah. Simpson. So it, here's the challenge from, from that perspective. So you, you can look at statistics on it and typically where, where, where marijuana is legalized, there's usually around a 20% drop in the number of opioid deaths. Um, there's a lot of people who are able to wean off of the opiates, um, which is great. The hard thing is it, because of it being federally illegal, you, it's, it, you can't study it the way that we would study any substance. So the majority of medical studies come from Israel and Canada, and that's where they're really doing a lot of the really progressive research on what it can and can't do. Oh, that's fascinating. In, in your experience, um, we had, to, you know, we talked a little bit about cancer and I just, I just want to say, I love the fact that you guys, um, yes, you guys are business people um, and, you, and you do it for profit, but I also know that both of you, uh, enjoy the fact that you're helping so many people um, in so many ways and making it available and clean for people. Um, could you tell us like what you know for sure in your experience or what you've heard in the industry, uh, the, some of the best health benefits um, of marijuana? Well, I can, I could give an example, an individual that is very close to me that I adore who. Um, had an alcohol issue and struggled for years and years, including trying to go through different rehab programs and getting his medical marijuana card was the key. That was what enabled him to finally stop drinking. Um, it, it, is it, you know, people will argue that's not the best way. The best way would be, you know, figure out your emotional issues, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not always realistic for everybody. So I know in that situation, I know, you know, of a lot of other people that have benefited huge too. Mm -hmm. It sort of builds a bridge in a way, right? To get people where they need to go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's still, because the reality is that, you know, that people enjoy getting a buzz and sometimes, you, you know, training that out of somebody is a difficult thing. So if you give them one that's harmless, relative, you know, mostly harmless, and there's literally never been a death from having too much THC in your system. So, you know, you, you can replace something that could kill you with something that won't kill you. I think that's a, a net huge benefit for, for the industry. Kirky, maybe you could speak to, um, cause you, you knew from just in your gut that you didn't want to do opiates and you wanted to do marijuana for your pain. Um, I'm guessing you probably have tried both. Can you explain the difference um, between the pain and how the marijuana affected it and how the opiate affected it and how um, it was different in your life? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. The opiates, nothing ever takes the pain fully away. I mean, that's just real. Yeah. This, unrealistic. Um, yeah, the difference between taking opiates is that, uh, you know, I lost my, I, I hunger. I wasn't hungry. Uh, nothing ever sounded good to me. Um, you know, you, you, you actually can get, um, bound up. Um, you just don't want to do anything, you know? And then when marijuana, when I started taking marijuana, using medical marijuana, 
I don't know. The feeling was different. It gave me a tingling feeling. Okay. Yeah. Did it totally wipe the pain out? No, but it, no, it just actually made that area tingling and it really helped, helped me sleep was one of my main things and opiates after a while I couldn't sleep anymore. Uh, I, I just didn't want to do anything. I just, and that's not how I want to live my life. I'm very active as you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that just was something that I didn't want to deal with. I didn't want to take them all the time. I didn't feel good. I didn't understand why everybody wanted to be on them personally. You um, kind of become a howled up shell on opiates. You really do. You know, and then to get through the pain, you have to take more and more and more to get the mm-hmm. same effect. And mm-hmm. that was just something I didn't want to do. So I, I had to find a different route. And, you know, uh, medical marijuana really helped me out. So, so it's really exciting. No, it's it's fascinating. And so I guess I would say I'm sure we could talk for days about all of the things that are going on here. So how would you suggest for the person that wants to just learn more and and know that what they're reading is is accurate and credible, factual? Is there could you kind of guide our us and our listeners down that path? So that is a bit of a challenge again, because we, we, we can't study it and don't have like peer reviewed studies within the United States, the way you do for other substances. So I would say, you know, if you're looking up articles, you know, just to be blunt with anything you're researching, if it sounds too good to be true, there's probably not all the facts in there. Cause believe me, I could show you a dozen articles right now that tell you that THC cures COVID. And, and that's, yeah. <laughs> Is there a chance that the the CBDs help you recover from it? Sure. Sure. But you know, it's, that's the problem. And and so a lot of, a lot of the information that's out there is kind of more marketing. So um, Northern Michigan has a plant medicine program that is focused on cannabis. So they should be producing some good, good materials or good information there. Um, I would trust more of the like longer term studies, like some of the things from Colorado, California, yes. Oregon, Washington states yeah. that have been in longer. Don't, don't go grab a high times. Yeah. No. You know, <laughs> <laughs> told me that. Here's this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. She said I would do multiple researches. Okay. And I mean, if you're just a beginner and you want to know, and you're looking for, uh, you know, uh, like say if you have pain and there's, there's certain strains that, that are better for that, like sleep, you'd want to use more of an indigo, you know, that they call it a, a body high. Um, you know, a lot of people use indigos for sleep. A lot of people smoke sativas during the day. It's more of a head buzz, you know? Um, so, and they do have a, a lot of mixed, you know, hybrids now. So just, you know, again, look at like three or four sources and yeah, don't go to like mad. <laughs> magazine or high time <laughs> or you're just somebody's brother somebody's yeah. brother lives in his yeah. parents basement. <laughs> you know, I mean, so yeah yeah well and i i love but i i and i love knowing that there's a process that there's people like you that are really testing to be sure that that it's clean and it's pure and um yeah. that it's just good to know because it's so hard to to trust what I'm reading. It's, it's it's scary out there because you guys you got people on the black market. We've heard that they've attached, you know, they put like sand in it, and make it way heavier, you know, and they've mm-hmm. done you know, certain tricks and you know that. Uh, so, so again, the more you know, so weighs more, so they get more money for it. So or you know, it sparkles more, so right? It looks are they, yeah, or, you know, a lot of people like the smell of it. You know, certain smells and 
some actually there are some chemicals that'll turn it purple because they like that it's purple. You know, um, people are just, you know, weird. And everyone thinks the smell has something to do with it. Actually, the smell has nothing to do with the potency of the plant. It, why it smells like a skunk? It's its natural defense against animals because we are not the only ones that like to ingest marijuana. <laughs> I knew my skunk was a high on Oh, you know, that's why, you know, it has its natural uh, defense mechanism to smell like skunk, so it'll stay away. Another fascinating thing. Yeah, I have another question. Um, I, I, and again, I know we have to uh, wrap it up soon, but yeah. um, can you talk to us about just if you wanted to start growing? I have so many people, which I've, I've texted you guys like, oh, can, where do you get seeds to start growing and how, you, how do you know they're good and how well, do you know what to do? banks out there that will sell seeds. There are also people that sell clones and that's like another, another area, you know, where, um, you know, you got to do your research. You got to look, look yeah. it up. You know, if it's a reputable seed or clone people, you know, um, clones are like clippings from the plant. Right. You can, you can, you can, there's two ways you can grow. You can grow from seed to start fresh, or you can go from a clone, which we can take off a mother plant mm-hmm. and clip it, put it in water, let the roots go. And then it's actually a faster way of doing it. So, but to get started is the best thing to do is, again, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube that you can look up, go to a local hydro store, man, usually talk to the manager. They know a lot. That's why they're hired there. They know what they're talking about. Talk to them, ask them questions, you know, always ask questions. And again, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, back to Sherry's question too, about where you can go to get more informed. The provisioning centers have bud tenders that work there, and many of them are very knowledgeable. And there's some like national programs on educating them that they may have gotten a certificate in. Um, and every everyone's going to be a little bit different quality wise, but the bud tenders tend to be a good source of information too. Yeah, bud tenders, bud tenders. Okay, great. Well, you guys certainly have answered a lot of questions. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, T- tons. And then, and you've given it, I really appreciate the way that you've kind of given us some uh, variety of, um, I, I feel like it's um, factual information. Um, it's not opinion, it's fact that we can build on, right? So it's like, okay, now I have a better sense of a question to ask mm-hmm. um, and, and where maybe to go to start asking those questions. So that's awesome. And it's great that you got together after your high school prom. (laughs) Yeah, you guys are both inspiring. And I hope today inspired people to at least get more knowledge about it and see it maybe as an option in their life um, when other things might not be working. So, and again, I think you guys are both very important light workers and you really do a lot for the universe and people in general. And I really appreciate you guys coming from Yeah, thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. All right. Yeah, that's guys. great. Take care. <laughs> Bye. This has been Karen Kalmasan and Sherry Richards. Thank you for joining us on our collective today and Inspired Good Fat Life. Please join us on Facebook at Inspired Good Fat Life. Be well. Until next time. <laughs>